So I'm sure you have noticed that we are publishing this episode, Hathor, a little out of sequence considering that last week was Thor's hammer. You're not going crazy. Well, we can't we can't say for sure they're not. They're crazy about this podcast, that's what they are. So this episode touches on sexual assault in a big way. And given how prevalent that discussion has been in the social consciousness of late and the current uptick in awareness here in mid-October 2017, we decided to short-circuit our well-established release schedule to drop this episode early. Welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. This week we're going to talk about Season 1, Episode 14, Hathor, and uh, we are joined by a special guest, my friend Maggie Zetter. Hey! I'm, of course, Stuart Hollis. And I'm Thad Hate. And the synopsis was, after an ancient gold is revived, the temptress, the temptress begins seducing all of the Stargate men. I mean, that's fairly accurate. It is. I, yeah, I mean, it sums it up succinctly. Uh, yeah, a lot of the synopses are uh, are either kind of off on the, the, the half right, half wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, some of them give away big plot details. Nice. Yeah, um, and some of them are just kind of a little off base. But yeah, th- this one's you know more weapons it's, deals. It's, yes, weapons deals. Uh, there, th- this one's more or less on the nose. Yeah. Okay, so uh, because you are our very special guest. Let's start off by asking you, have you ever seen Stargate before? No, I had not. And I have to say, I watched the intro, laughed, had to check when it was aired, and then go rewatch it. Because I was like, oh, this is these graphics are phenomenal. <laughs> yes, yes, it aired. And I also just realized like two minutes ago, because I wanted to make sure I was saying the character names right, that that was James Spader with hair. And I don't think I ever realized that James Spader had hair. Well, it was James Spader in the movie. In the show, it was played by his lookalike Michael Shanks. Oh, okay. Then never mind. Then I was confused. Because I looked at the picture and I was like, holy crap, that's him. But okay, then never mind. He is supposed to look like James Spader because the show was a spinoff of a movie that had James Spader in. And James Spader did have hair like that. Yeah, I looked up a picture and I was like, wow, look at that. Well, okay, so it wasn't James Spader. I'm a little disappointed now. But uh, I do know now that James Spader has hair, so... He you does. know, I bet Michael Shanks, if he ever listens to this podcast, that which would be amazing, would be very pleased to know that you thought he was James Spader. That was his goal. So, yeah, there we go. He tricked, he fooled me. Yeah, but then I think he'll be promptly disappointed to find out that once he realized that he wasn't James Spader and only looked like him. <laughs> Ooh, that's a fair point. I was actually Sorry. super disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a little bit more sense because James Spader has such a distinct voice, you'd think I would have recognized it. That's why I was so concerned for myself when I real- when I thought it was James Spader. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. It is a very distinctive voice. It's great. I loved I loved mm-hmm. the 90s graphics. It was phenomenal. Yes. This episode originally aired uh, October 24th, 1997, so it is almost uh, 20 years old at this point. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Another year and it'll be able to drink, which is what what you really need to be able to get through this episode. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It wasn't good. It wasn't great. <laughs> this is not quite the low watermark uh, for season one. It says a lot, doesn't it? But it's definitely... There are actually worse episodes okay. in season one. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but this one in particular... Um, so I asked you to join us on this one... 
because uh, you're because of your day job. So tell the listeners what your day job is. Sure. All right, listeners. So um, I work at an agency called the Crime Victim Center of Chester County. Uh, we are predominantly a victim advocate agency, which means we provide support and services to anyone who has been a victim of a crime in the Chester County area. Um, my job specifically is I actually work in our prevention education department. Um, primary prevention is really sort of the foundation of my work, and that is the idea of preventing sexual assault from happening. Um, a lot of stuff about consent, respectful relationships, you know, all that good stuff about communicating and respect to try to prevent sexual assaults from happening in the first place. So I've been working there for about two years, and also prior to that, I worked at the Women's Center at Westchester University for two years doing much of the same thing. So that is my background and expertise. And, I mean, also, we want to try and get more guests on. Ideally, if we can mesh up a theme from the episode with their background. But if they don't have to listen to only Thad and I talk the whole time, that's also, I think, might be a good thing. I can get boring. Yeah, mix it up a little bit. Right, exactly. Nice. You know, I, I knew uh, I had a pretty good idea about your background. I, I thought that this would be a great episode to bring you in for, because although we have found that there's actually a lot of episodes in season one in particular that involve assault on some level. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, from, like, really minor stuff to someone just pushing someone else against a wall to this, which is probably the worst that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there was a very early episode where one of the main characters was uh, drugged and sexually assaulted, wakes up with no memory, naked. Was it a male character or a female character? Yes, it was a male, male character. character. Okay, see, I, you know, I really did think that was interesting that it was, it was the men in this episode getting sexually assaulted. Um, a little bit because looking at 1997, I wonder if they were able to get a little bit more away with it. Um, just because maybe viewers, I mean, there are a lot of, there's a lot of misinformation about sexual assault and there's a decent amount of people in this world who think men can't get sexually assaulted. Yeah. So I wonder if in the nineties they were like, well, this isn't really sexual assault. So that's kind of how I feel they were going with that. And that's certainly how they were in the episode that Stuart mentioned earlier. Cause it was, cause like the other members of the team just sort of laugh it off. Yeah, yeah, and they do that in this one, too. I mean, at the end of it, the little quote where he was, they were talking about his DNA, and he was like, a lot of that is probably going to be mine. The other character just went, ew, and he was like, yeah, and that was it. That was like, that was like, all right, well, that's over, moving on. And what a terrible way to respond to someone who's just been sexually assaulted by some, like, mind-warping, what were they called, ghouls. Right. So... So, it's something that you probably would not know, this show, the very first season of it, originally aired on Showtime. Oh, really? Yes. So, just from the the point that you were making about maybe they thought they could get away with it, they were on Showtime. They could have gotten away with a lot. They could have, actually. Okay. And they had full frontal nudity, or... 80% frontal nudity? I don't know if it was full. No, it was full. It was okay. full. Uh, in the very first episode, and never did ever since that point. So, and all, like the language is never very strong. So I don't know entirely what it was doing on Showtime. Yeah, because Showtime's where you kind of push the boundaries, right? Showtime wasn't sure what it was doing on Showtime either, which is why it only lasted a few seasons. Right. Makes so. sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
fair point there. Okay, so um, what do you remember from the last time you watched the episode, Maggie? What was, sorry, what was that? that we, all, uh, <laughs> we would usually ask the question, because Thad and I have both watched the, the, the whole run of the show multiple times. Okay. And we usually will ask each other what we remember from the last time we watched the episode. Oh, that's good. Okay. I, you yeah. know, like nerd alert, I actually took some notes. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. Encouraged. So did we. Yep. Yeah, okay, no, we perfect. Do. Yeah. Uh, what do I remember? Well, I remember Hathor had a horrible haircut. I don't know what makeup and costuming were doing with that. But for someone who's supposed to be like the all powerful, like sexiest lady alive. I don't know. I feel like they could have done a little bit more personally. Um, I ended up writing, like I went through my notes again. I ended up writing like sex as power a whole bunch of times. Um, that seemed to be kind of like the main theme. I also was a big fan of some of the weird throwaway lines and insinuations about sexual assault in the military. Those stood out to me. Did you guys catch those? A few of them. Yeah. Like, um, like, the woman was there saying there are five women in here very much alone, and it was just like, oh, this was probably before sexual assault as an issue in the military came out, because they would not have gotten away with that joke now. <laughs> yeah. This was also before they started getting uh, military consultants on the show. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. The show later was sort of officially endorsed. Actually, not even sort of. I think it was 100% officially endorsed by the United States Air Force. The Air Force Chief of Staff appeared in an episode as himself. That's amazing. I see. I might actually end up having to watch a couple more of these episodes just because they were really entertaining for me. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But also, I liked uh, Captain Carter just complaining about the lack of women on base, too. was pretty solid. Mm -hmm. I assume that was kind of a line that they might have thrown in because... It was a small cast. Like, I got the sense that they didn't actually have too many actors or actresses working, so that might have been a throwaway note to explain why there were only five women there. But I thought that was probably, like, a unique, uh, I don't know, little side commentary about women presence in the military, too, so I liked that. There's actually, in an earlier episode, where they make it clear that there are so few women at the base that they have to share a locker room with the men. Oh. And it's, there's women's time for the locker room and men's time for the locker room i wonder why they went about doing that that's interesting okay yep so that was yeah those were those were my initial impressions i looked it up all male writers wrote this episode because i was kind of curious um but then the more i thought about it the more i was thinking that whether they intentionally did it or not this episode actually really touched on um the trope of like female sexuality as a bad thing Yes, it definitely did. Yeah, so, like, it, and the more you think about it, the more it starts, started to click for me. It was like, okay, so you have Hathor, right? And she is, like, she's obviously sexually assaulting people, you know? She's, she's coercing them into doing things they don't want. She's got mind control over him. It, it's obviously sexual assault. Um, so she's using her sexuality as power in a bad way. Um, and then you have, on the flip side, Captain Carter, who, even though she manages to put all the shit together, right? She figures out what's going on. She bands together. She, like, leads an assault to try to get rid of Hathor. She still is playing the sort of obedient woman, the, like, the like anti-sexual one. How do you guys think? What do you guys think about that? No, I guess I can see that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I picked up on that. I, You know, I didn't initially, because I wrote, I was like, all right, this is, 
So, like, it vilifies women's sexuality, but also showed, like, you know, women on base taking agency and, like, taking shit on and putting shit back together. Um, but then when I really thought about it, even when the the nurse doctor was trying to use her sexuality to to get out of their jail cell or whatever it was they were, Captain Carter was still like, this feels wrong, I don't feel comfortable doing it, like... And when the minute Jack came back, she was just like, all right, he's got it. I'm going back to that obedient role, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, because especially in light of the fact that they probably didn't have very many military consultants yet, it probably can't it probably cannot be chalked up to, well, she as a captain is two ranks below his rank of colonel. Oh, colonel. Right. He was a colonel. Three. It is three, you're right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, like, from a military standpoint, it would make sense, but you also never see her briefing him, right? Yeah, that that's a plot hole that bothered me in this episode, is that Jack seems to both not remember anything and remember everything. At the same time, right? At the end of the episode, it looks like he doesn't remember every anything at all, and it was like... You came back a couple hours ago. You don't remember any of that? I don't know. I didn't buy it. That was weird. Because how did he know she was a ghoul? If, you know, and yeah, it was, that bugged me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the very end, it was like his blank face and some eerie music fading out. And I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. He knew exactly what was going on, at least for half of that. No, easily. Yeah, easily. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. That kind of stood out to me. I'm curious if you guys caught on to that or how you felt about Captain Carter's role in the in the episode. It hadn't occurred to me, but when you're saying it, it does make sense that yeah, it, they they do sort of they do sort of go that way and like even uh like she even makes like the snide comment when um after they have overpowered the guards, she asks Dr. Fraser, "Feel like a woman, doc?" Yeah, right? And and it was Dr. Fraser was the one who like made out with the guy and was was already in it made it seem like she would do whatever was necessary. So it was almost as if Dr. Fraser was somewhere in between, right? She wasn't necessarily as good as Captain Carter. E- even then, even using her sexuality to to try to, like, escape was still a little vilified, even though it was necessary, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the main thing that I had noticed about uh, Carter's actions throughout the episode were only the first half of what you were pointing out was her recognizing the problem, wanting to take action to solve it. I just had not picked up at all on the fact that, yeah, no, you're right. That, you know, as soon as Jack was in a position where he could be trusted to take charge, she immediately let him take charge. Uh, he, doesn't even uh, challenge him, right? Like, she doesn't even... She was like, hold on, you just came to... I got this, follow me, lead for now. Like, that that, that even concept didn't come up at all. Yeah, no, you're right. So, that actually was a theme, I think, that stood out more for me. I was so focused on the sexual assault stuff, but the more I thought about it, it was like... It was almost disappointing, because I definitely initially watched it and was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. Like, 1997, got the ladies coming up and taking charge... But it was still, it still fit the status quo. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, the status quo was reestablished mm-hmm. of of sort of the hierarchy with the guys kind of leading and her following. Um, 
Yeah, and you know that that's part of the military ranks, and I get that, but eh, you know, TV shows take liberties. They could have taken some liberties. Yeah, I, I was gonna about to say that in much later in the show, she does have a leadership role, but then I remember that like she does for a season, and then another guy comes in and takes over, who's the same rank as her and is now in charge. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I mean, it it kind of fits the '90s TV shows, right? Um, don't make fun of me, but I totally watch NCIS sometimes. <laughs> and I like, I'm not going to make fun of you for that. Yeah, no, you it's, can make fun. It's, it's a, it's a good, it's an okay sh- I don't know. It, it's a good Hasn't question. it been like the number one show for the past 15 years or something? Uh, everyone watches NCIS sometimes. Everyone watches NCIS sometimes. But even like, I was just thinking about how that has like the three male characters and the token female, right? And this had the three male characters, the token female. And gotta love the token black guy, too, right, of 1997, who was a great character. I didn't get to see a lot of him in this episode. This episode was very light on Teal'c, uh, played by Christopher Judge. Yep, yep. Who has, who maintains that basic facial expression for ten years. Fantastic. <laughs> the, the eyeshadow really helps, too. It pops, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It pops. It's quite nice. <laughs> I think the eyeshadow goes away at some point. They decide yeah. it's it's too much. They take it down a little bit. Yeah, I think like it slowly starts disappearing, and then eventually, towards the end, when he ha- once he gets once he grows hair at the end, I think it's gone completely. Okay. Oh, interesting. He gets hair at the end of the episode. That would be interesting to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it you know you know seven years from now, but seven years down the line, he grows hair. I'll have to look up pictures yeah. of that. Although he does have a soul patch for a while. Oh, no. <laughs> That's correct. Oh, no is correct. <laughs> that is always the right response to a soul patch. <laughs> That's no good at all. All right. So, Thad, what stuck out for you during this episode? And you can't use anything that Maggie just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, it's uh, the fact that very quickly into watching this, I remembered why I don't normally watch this one. Uh, cause it's just, eh, so problematic. Uh, the, the ridiculous line is they end up using twice, at least, although at least the second time was a callback to the first time, the, they're making the men libidinous. <laughs> I do like that line a lot. What a, what a unique word. It's like someone typed sexual into a thesaurus and was like this, this is the word I want to use. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not a great episode, but yeah, no, it's just, I'm trying to think, like, how many redeeming qualities does this have? Like, and I'm not coming up with a lot. So from a canon perspective, it lets us know that there is such a thing as a gold queen who... Ah, that's true pops out further little snake gould thing the larva to uh, infest people um hathor does come back a couple more yeah, times I as know. i recall hathor does appear again but i'm not really sure that you need the backstory of this episode for that i suppose that's true but yeah no the the gould queen is important is she the cuz i haven't seen it is she the only gould queen gould queen no, there are others. She kind of makes it sound like she is, but and maybe at this point, since this is you know the first season, they thought she was. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's later revealed there are 
multiple queens. Okay, that makes sense. Interesting. Mm, maybe it was just an excuse to have uh, Jack take his shirt off? I mean, I suppose by 97 standards, <laughs> Jack taking his shirt off, that was like a good one. But I mean, nowadays you've got... You know, everybody and their brother who is anywhere close to a camera is going to work to get themselves a six-pack, so... And you got Jon Snow's butt. That's true. I mean, the the heroic character, lead character on a sci-fi show taking a shirt off goes back to Captain Kirk in the 60s. So you have to throw it in every once in a while. Maybe that was what yeah. the, the episode was built around, actually. It would not be an episode of Stargate Weekly if Thad didn't take a second to talk about Star Trek. This is true. <laughs> Uh, so the, some of the stuff that I touched on was lots of little things, since obviously I can't use anything that Maggie talked about either. Yeah. Uh, at one point, and this is, I sometimes will notice the subtitles being off from what is actually being spoken, but in this case, the, the subtitles were correct, and the, what was spoken was wrong. <laughs> Jackson, toward, Jackson, towards the beginning, says that he's one of the only people who did work in cross-pollinization of different cultures, and the subtitle is cross-pollination. <laughs> nice. Yeah, pollinization, I'm pretty sure, is not a thing. However, interesting that that was the terminology he used, even if it was wrong, in light of the later super gross line, the code of life from the juices of the species. Ah, uh, yes. Because that is, in a sense, a form of cross-pollination. Or pollinization, depending on if you're Jackson. <laughs> that was a nice nice pickup there. Man, I'm going to have to, you know, work in juice of the species more often in my normal dialogue, I think. God, could you not? <laughs> I hope that means the actor kept messing up pollination and kept saying pollinization. And the subtitle people were like, let's fix this. That's... Uh, that's what one has to hope. Sometimes, apparently, I have heard on in uh, other places that they only have so long to flash the subtitle up on the screen, and they will often edit and truncate down so that the they that from the subtitle editor's perspective, that the same gist is getting across, even if they can't give you all of the same words in the same order. And then sometimes you can tell that it's done by a text-to-speech thing because they'll sometimes they'll replace words with homophones or possibly multiple words to make up a homophone. Learn something new every day. I blame this guy for the fact that I watch literally anything with subtitles on ever because he watches everything with subtitles on all the time. Yeah, usually because I think in text. I don't know, Maggie. Subtitles pro or con? Um, you know it depends. Any, like, foreign movie or British movie, when it's so soft, it's hard to pick up on the little intricacies I'll throw subtitles on. For the most part, I don't, because then I get too distracted. I'll read the subtitles without watching the action. I think I pick up more from, like, the, the action behaviors than I do the text sometimes. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be my argument. There's okay. a cat sitting next to my computer. Just a, just a heads up if you hear weird meowing so sounds. Uh, I'll just assume it was that. Yeah. What if we hear normal meowing sounds? Um, I don't know. He's pretty whiny. You're pretty whiny. Yeah. <laughs> is this Mary or Pippin? This is Pippin. Pippin's the noisy okay. one. Yep. Uh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. That's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think so. They, they fit their roles well based on what we named them. 
I'm trying to look over my notes to see if anything else popped out at me. Uh, yeah, the only other thing that I have that popped out, uh, I guess the two other things were when the women all gear up to take back the base, they're handing out, um, pretty sure they were M16s, they may have been M4s, but one way or another, whenever they deploy into the field, they're carrying MP5s, which is a, which is what's known as a submachine gun. It's a small, compact weapon that is ideal for what's known as close quarters combat, such as, say, in hallways. <laughs> and what they're actually using later in the episode, but when they first arm up, they pack like full length rifles, <laughs> which are not useful. Gotta get that like firepower thing going on. Yeah, I don't know nearly enough to know which one has a higher cyclic rate or anything like that. I I know the term cyclic rate, go me, but I don't even know that. Uh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> well done. Uh, so I I can't speak to that. I just know that the MP5, a weapon that they carry every time they go out into the field, so therefore have a lot of them laying around, is a better hallway weapon. I also liked the uh the the dart guns that showed mm-hmm. up later in the episode. Those were fun too. Yeah, those those were actually used in the fourth episode, Broker Divide. Yeah, I think fourth. Where yeah, so in an episode called the Broker Divide, one of the very very early early episodes, fourth or fifth episode. Uh, yeah, no, it's fourth because um, First Commandment was fifth. Yes, they all. Almost everybody gets infected and turns into a Neanderthal. Okay, interesting. Yes, and they and they're incorrectly identified as Australopithecus on the show, which is a word that he can say and I can't. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't think I could mimic that. Right. Okay. All right. I like it. How How did you two feel about the uh, the the hand kiss purple glitter dust coming out? Oh God! I had always assumed that it was. Sort of like, did you see the really terrible Batman movie, Batman and Robin? Was that the live action, like one of the first ones? It was live action. It was, I don't know, maybe, I guess it may have also been 20 years old. It's the one with George Clooney. With George Clooney and Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Oh, no. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like slightly ringing a bell. What I can picture is like the 70s Batman and Robin TV shows. Those I definitely saw some episodes of. Okay, now this would have been closer to our time. Okay. It was also with Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. The Iceman cometh. He, so Poison Ivy's way of controlling people was with pheromones, and it was a pink dust that she would like make this big dramatic gesture and blow the dust onto the person and it would breathe it in. They totally ripped that then, didn't they? One of them ripped the other. Actually, they came out around the same time. Okay, alright. Alright, so in that case then, that you know, it, it it's unlikely that one ripped off the other given production times and everything. That's funny that they, they both have the same thought. Pink hormonal yeah. dust to control mm-hmm. men's minds. Interesting. By, uh, redhead who uses her sexual attraction as power yeah right there we go fits right in yes (laughs) that's really interesting oh yeah but i love that purple pink dust thing and how long it took to set in like those long pauses so she'd be like can i kiss your hand and she'd sit there and a dramatic pause and she'd blow on their hand instead and everyone else standing on the around the room just were standing there like this is totally normal reaction and it's totally understandable that this guy is standing there looking confused for a couple of minutes 
It was just so long. Mm-hmm. The part that got me was the scene where, uh, where, De- where instead, Hathor's not even in the room, but, like, Daniel's eyes flash pink to convince Hammond, General Hammond, to do something. Yes. Those were good. Yeah, what did that, was that because he had so much of the pink stuff in him now that his eyes I- I guess. Yeah, no, I, that doesn't make any sense, really, does it? Yeah, he was the most pinked guy at this point. I, I think I would argue he was the most pinked guy of the whole the whole season, really, or the whole episode. Oh no, definitely. I mean, right? he was the one who was especially obviously, you know, c- completely ripped. Now, is that because he's yeah. like is cause that because he's the the weak scientist type, or probably? Yeah. So. Nine seasons into the future, we will get a scene where he's working out in the gym with Teal'c and easily, you know, like he's, you know, putting up some solid weight on his curls and whatnot. So he apparently realizes he's on camera all the time. And also it's nine years in the future. So now we're in the mid 2000s and uh, yeah. people, you know, people expect, right. People expect their heroes to be a little bit more muscly, even if they are the weird field scientist. <laughs> Yeah, he really fit that role. I also, you know, I'm disappointed. You feel like the field scientist would be the most skeptical, and yet he he falls the fastest. Well, not just that, but even before he was taken over by her, he's the one who's like, do we really need the handcuffs on her? You know, you don't have the full background, even of the rest of the season. He talks about it a little bit, but in the movie... He, you know, in the movie they go to this planet, which the thing is the only planet they can go to with the Stargate. They meet the indigenous population. He falls in love with one of the members there, and that's a whole other thing that we can talk about. That particular relationship. Uh, they do eventually, at a certain point, reach, you know, it's sort of like an arranged marriage sort of situation where, like, like the rosiest kind of arranged marriage, where both sides do eventually say, "Yeah, you know what? This person, they're not terrible. I do love them." <laughs> go for this right <laughs> um she gets taken by the gould and when the gould take a person they take over the entire body and the mind and they own the body from that point on gotcha when when the little snake larva thing gets up into a person yeah they take over the body okay i just sent a picture of what daniel jackson looks like later in the skype chat oh, oh okay <laughs> Great. <laughs> we can add that to the show notes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Add it in the so, description. Yes. Oh, no, that's great. <laughs> um, so his background with the Gould is they took his wife. They killed many of the people that he lived with for about a year. You know, he hates them. There are a couple of different episodes where he recommends what is effectively genocide against the Gould because it's a, like a big bunch of larva, and he's like, yeah, "Just blow them up. Just take them all out right now." Get rid of them. You know, each of them's an individual sentient life. He's effectively advocating mass murder. So yeah, you're right. The fact that he fell the quickest and the fastest was actually kind of out of character for him. Interesting. That said. Uh, Daniel does often have terrible things happen to him. Okay. Is he somewhat the scapegoat? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's usually the... Yeah, that's probably the pincushion, I guess. Yeah. 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 You know, he's the one that gets captured, so at least we can avoid the trope of the woman always getting captured. 
you know, that's helpful sometimes. Um, oh, I'm assuming um, Jack and Captain Carter have a weird sexual tension throughout all the seasons. Am I correct? Yes, but they do never actually, you know, do the deed. No, 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 because then no one would keep watching it, right? Right. Yeah. Like what happened to The Office. <laughs> That's how people kept watching The Office. That's when I stopped watching The Office. <laughs> She's talking about Pam and Jim. Yes, I, I've seen enough of The Office to know that. Okay. Yep. So Pam was the secretary for The Office, and Jim was one of the salespeople. <laughs> Thank you. And they had this unrequited thing going on. It lasted for four whole seasons, and then yes. they let a good thing go, and they got together, and it was never the same. Yeah, they did the same thing with the, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Bones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I pretty much stopped watching. Actually, just before that happened, but because that has since happened, I have no interest in watching the show. Yeah. Yeah, no, and the, oh, shoot, we're totally getting off topic, but the Bones dude was just a really problematic character to begin with, because he was just kind of an ass with some redeemable characters, but, like, just a yeah. really gross macho man most of the time. Oh, very much so. Yeah, and it was just like, ugh. I did not enjoy watching him. Uh, what's the actor's name? Simon? David Boreanaz. Thank you. I thought yeah. it was Simon something. You gotta give him credit. I mean, the guy went from however many years on Buffy and Angel straight to Bones. He's been a TV actor who's had, like, an actual job for, had, like, an actual working job for, like, 20 years. And I think he's actually on a new show starting this season. Oh, is he really? Yeah, look at him go. Yeah. So, you know, switching gears from problematic male people who yes. have been employed for years and years and years. <laughs> well, I don't know that the actor's the problematic. Actor. Yeah, no, but his <laughs> character was problematic. Okay, fair enough. But, well, the segue I was going for was when I realized recently that Pink has been doing her thing. Let's just get further into the weeds. <laughs> that, that Pink has been doing her thing for, God, what, like... 20 years now or something like yeah. for like for as long as i have been listening to popular music there has been a pink number one song like every other year yeah she's killing it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah just keeps doing her thing it's amazing respect yep mad respect for pink <laughs> so getting back to hathor and her pink dust exactly mm-hmm. there we go well done Stu. <laughs> I got us there. <laughs> I do. I do really love watching those terrible '90s '90s effects, though. Like, I I don't know if it's just because they're so bad, they're amusing, or you know how serious all the actors take everything, and it like I don't know. I love it though. I love watching that. I think it's hilarious. My my two favorite both involve the the like training exercise recovery tub thing. Like you, you see it in. movie baseball locker rooms they have the weird sort of deep like sauna hot tub whirlpool thing but the two scenes that stake out that stand out for me with hathor is the one where it's so very clearly a reverse shot of her dunking herself underwater but to come out of the water because she comes out of the water and it's there's no like she's not dripping or anything Yep. And then How about the water catching on fire? And then yes, the very end of the episode where the water just catches on fire. <laughs> no, it totally makes sense because there were so many larvae that the larvae were more flammable than the water, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the whole water catching on fire was so that Hathor could sneak away. Oh yeah, but she didn't even like you could still see her sneaking away in the background. 
You totally could, but none of the characters did, and that was the important thing. I guess that's true. I figured maybe, you know, keep suspension of the belief that she had died, they could have just hid her altogether, but no, we still got the shadow of her sneaking away. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously they tell us a minute later that, hey, she is still alive because she turns the Stargate on and just leaves. Yeah, do they have that room locked or just... No, no, apparently not, no. ...open for anyone? Typically, yes. You know, he says stuff like typically yes, but the number of episodes that sort of end with someone gaining unauthorized access to that room and just dialing up the thing. Maybe... Maybe I should say they should have that room locked. <laughs> they right. routinely fail to learn to lock the doors to that super important room in a military base. No, I mean, it happens. We all forget to lock things, right? Well, it's clearly because yeah. Walter wasn't there to, to guard the computer. And even if he had been there, he wouldn't have been named Walter yet. He would not have been named Walter yet. He would have been knocked out like he was an enemy within. Yeah. There's a recurring character who was on... According to Thad, half the episodes. The show ran for over 200 episodes, and he's been on over 100 of them. In the first season, he doesn't have a name, but we know him as Walter because he gets a name later. Okay, nice. Was he was he one of the ones that had any sort of lines? He was not in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but like, his, his role primarily focuses on him standing there at the computer, just announcing what's happening. He's the narrator. Well, no, like, he's, like, announcing, like, you know, Chevron 1 encoded, Chevron 2 encoded, as the Stargate is spinning up. Right, but he's only narrating the Stargate's activities. (laughs) No one else's activities. (laughs) Right. It's just unscheduled awkward activation, or Chevron 7 locked, or (laughs) whatever. Chevron 7 encoded? (laughs) There are nine seasons of this, is that correct? There are ten seasons. Ten seasons, okay. Plus five seasons of a spinoff and two seasons of another spinoff. Wow, I didn't know, I can't believe I've never heard of this show before then. And then this show itself had two of its own movies. Yes, well, TV, uh, straight to DVD movie. Okay, okay, gotcha. But but, But the same cast, continuing stories set up by the show. Interesting. All right. So, so between you two, do you like the show nah we're doing a podcast because we hate it okay <laughs> just checking hey yeah you know sense. what <laughs> that isn't like the most far-fetched thing <laughs> but no in truth broad scope yes we enjoy the show we enjoy all three incarnations of it mm-hmm. two of them more than another <laughs> okay all right yeah i'll go that far yeah, the most recent one, the one that only lasted for two seasons, was Stargate Universe, and it was it it took it tried to pitch pitch the show as much darker than it had previously done, not just in the sense of everything was literally darker, like dimmer and grayer and like in shadows. Dark and gritty was becoming the new thing yeah, at the time. Dark and gritty was very popular at the time. They're like, well, we need to grungy. Yeah, sorta. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Battlestar Galactica? Yes. That. that. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm kind of tempted to keep watching it. I'm not gonna lie. I assume, you know, first season woes. 
Yeah, there's a lot of much better episodes in the second season. There are a few good episodes in the first season. But yeah, the second season, I think, is where the show really hits its stride. Nice. Okay. Yeah, we just definitely didn't want to bring anyone on to guest on a good episode. <laughs> no, that's no fun at all. <laughs> Less to pick on. Right. So, do either of you have anything else that you wanted to talk about for this episode? Well, um, as I was just, like, trying to look up to see if the Stargate Wiki said what kind of guns they have, because they sometimes do. Yeah. Uh, they didn't in this one, but they did point out something that I missed. Um, so when Sam and uh, Dr. Frazier are at the computer researching Hathor on the web. Yes. And because, you know, which is the fact that she's saying she's looking it up on the web is kind of dated in, in and of itself. But that that old uh, the this is very interesting. The browser web address is file slash slash c colon back or colon slash http slash and then <laughs> yeah. So it's the the web address is clearly a file on the computer. And what's really weird on that is the pic the computer on the screen is clearly a Mac. So there shouldn't be a C drive at all. That shouldn't even be a thing. Nice. This is. Only interesting to a very small subset <laughs> of the hosts on the show, let alone <laughs> anyone Sorry. who's going to listen to the show. Had to be dirty for a second there. I know, or I know. More than a second, really. <laughs> so, Maggie, what weird computer things did you notice out of the corner of your eye? <laughs> You know, I can't say I picked up on any weird computer things. Okay. Okay. <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, I liked I liked the weird door thing that slid down over the windows. Not quite a computer, though. The right. blast doors. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the blast doors. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. Or blast shield, I think, actually, is what it's called. And the weird guest quarters. Yeah. The guest, the guest quarters are recurring... The, they'll they'll be dressed up that way numerous times. They just throw the curtain. I, I think it's it must be part of a bigger set, and they just throw up the curtain there in the background to cut it in half or something. Doesn't it look like maybe it was like a green room or like a break room for the actors that they were like, yeah, let's use this a little Ooh, bit. That's true. It does. Yeah. Uh-huh. So do you figure they like made a concrete bunker for this show? Because like there's all these rooms that are clearly concrete. Nah, no, because you couldn't light it, right? Yeah, that yes, would be true. That's tri- a fair point. Yeah, yeah. They, so they would. The people making these shows have been at this for a while. They must be pretty good at making fake concrete walls by now. That's fair. Or, or they built concrete walls, and that's just like the place that people go to film bunker scenes for any show. That's a that's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that potentially being a thing. Have you ever noticed that when you sometimes see the same uh, set piece? used across multiple different shows yes it's fantastic it's like little easter mm-hmm. eggs mm-hmm. yeah like one of my favorites has to be in the show the mentalist there's a bit where he goes to this cult headquarters or something did you ever watch the original power rangers on tv oh i did where zordon lived that weird circular building did that show up yes that was the cult headquarters fantastic it's apparently a semi-famous building in california that's amazing so it's just like well this is a funky looking building of course the cult's gonna live there 
Just like the bad guy from Power Rangers. Right. Yeah, makes sense. It's his cult. Duh. <laughs> Worlds collide. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Well, I don't think there was anything else that really stood out to me that we didn't uh, touch on. Oh, actually, you know what? Like a very, very small thing was... So towards the very beginning where they're constantly talking about how ver- how clearly Hathor is crazy and needs to be put into a rubber room, the two things was one that... Jackson, who was already under her influence, and so that's why he's saying it out loud, but he tells, uh, I guess it was Jack, you know, it might help me if you play into her delusions, but he's saying it out loud, and she's like four feet away. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't care. Like, she's just like, these dummies, like, I got this. I just have to Yeah, no, no, but it seems rude. Life is mine. <laughs> <laughs> And then, when we, and then, like a minute or so later, when we cut to the the briefing room, and Jack uh, is saying that he there's some woman who talks about the devil people that live in her hair, and it feels like if the show had a better sense of where it was going to go with itself, that that would be a, such a great moment of either foreshadowing or throwback to other stuff, and instead it's just a, a wasted throwaway line. Yeah, they totally could have had that show up at some point in the next ten years. Yeah. Devil in her hair? Yeah. Like, have, like, a, the, like, yeah, a cameo of the devil people woman. Yeah, yeah or, yeah, like, you know, you know. Or turn out that there's, like, actually an alien devil person living in her hair. Or, you know, they, they step out onto some planet and they come across the, the, all these people who have weird little aliens that sometimes live in their hair and tell them to do bad things. <laughs> I mean, that that's like a wonderful filler episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sort of halfway in the middle of the season, you know, as we're reaching our climax, but they have to throw some stuff in still. Yeah, no, I like right. it. Right. Yep. If it was still on, you should submit it. You should have submitted that as an idea. You're right. We should submit it as an idea for Stargate Origins. Yes. Yeah, they're making another show, a web series called Stargate Origins, talking oh, really? about how they discovered the gate in the 1920s. Oh, excellent! Who's uh, who's making it? I have no idea. Fad knows. The like, don't the people involved? No, it's MGM is the company. Fad doesn't know. <laughs> uh if it showed up on Netflix, I, I would give it a go. Yeah, no, it's on like a. It's just going to be on the like Stargate streaming site. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. All right, we'll I'll have to start. Which is actually over. not a bad deal. It's twenty dollars. To get unlimited access, uh, twenty like a one time twenty dollars, and then you can watch all of Stargate. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's not bad. I know that's not it's not on Netflix. I was gonna say this seems like a fun series to you know watch on a rainy Saturday. It is on Hulu, uh, but okay, perfect. Uh, it's also also uh, yeah, if you search for Stargate Command, or actually, I'll just put a link in the Skype chat. Uh, they have their own site that uh, they actually just launched to start gathering the hype for their new web series. But you'd make a, a one-time payment of twenty dollars, and then you can stream all of the episodes. Nice, yeah, that's definitely the way that things are going. And there's our plug for Stargate All Access. Stargate Command is the actual website, and then the All Access program is what gets you all the episodes. That too. There's there's our plug for that too. You guys are getting paid for these, right? No. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Someday. That'd be nice.
All right. Uh, I mean, yeah, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Well, that I mean, this was a lot of fun. We definitely need to have more guests on in the future, and I would like to get Maggie back in the future just for any old episode. Sounds excellent. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can find us everywhere that you can think to find us Pretty at much. Stargate Weekly. We're StargateWeekly.com. Facebook slash Stargate Weekly at Stargate Weekly on Twitter. We're not on MySpace because, haha. Um, We're not a band from the early 2000s. Right. It would be appropriate for a Stargate show to be on MySpace or Angel Fire or something. Uh, your city. Right. I am Gamicus on Twitter. I am Tyrannicus on Twitter. I am not on Twitter. Okay. I thought well, that was funny. <laughs> yeah sure no it was uh what about um chester county oh um yeah crime victim center of chester county incorporated we have a facebook we have a website check us out uh, i actually manage some of our facebook posts so uh you want to learn more about we do what we do go check it out yeah i think i follow those yeah i know i saw you liked one recently my coil did too i was pretty pleased with myself yeah no that's that's a real treat getting my coil to like it yeah, it is, right? <laughs> uh, I love that we he has not given consent for us to drop his name and we only ever reference him by his full name. So, sorry Mike Coyle. Well, we can we we can you know, we can just cut that right out. Uh, no, we should include that. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> so, uh next week just Thad and I will be discussing season 1 episode 15 Singularity. Mm. So, Definitely download that one. Don't forget to like, favorite, subscribe, click the little bell thing to be notified of things. Give us 17 stars on whatever podcast app you choose. You're not going to go for the full 18? That's ridiculous. We don't deserve it. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Basically, when the, when the gate is dialing, uh, I say Chevron 1 encoded, Chevron 2 encoded and so on incrementally up to the seventh chevron um, which is a little different because that's when the wormhole connects uh, when that happens I, I like to change things up a little bit and just say chevron seven locked <laughs>